Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to jump right in because I got a lot of information. And um, I want to talk to you about one word for a second. It's a two-letter word, and I'm going to read this, so bear with me. There is a two-letter word that perhaps has more meanings than any other word, and that word is up. It's easy to understand up, meaning toward the sky or at the top of the list, but when we awaken in the morning, why do we wake up? At a meeting, why does a topic come up? Why do we speak up? Why are officers up for election, and why is it up to the secretary to write up a report? We call up our friends, and we use it to brighten up a room. We polish up the silver, we warm up the leftovers, and we clean up the kitchen. We lock up the house. Some guys fix up the old car. At other times, the little word has a real special meaning. People stir up trouble, they line up for tickets, they work up an appetite, and they think up excuses. To be dressed is one thing, but to be dressed up is special. And this up is confusing. A drain must be opened up because it's stopped up. We open up a store in the morning, but we close it up at night. We seem to be be pretty mixed up about up. To be knowledgeable about the proper uses of up, look up the word up in the dictionary. In a death-sized dictionary, it takes up one-fourth of the page and can add up to about 30 definitions. If you're up to it, you might try building up a list of the many ways up is used. It will take up a lot of your time, but don't give up. You may wind up with a hundred or more. When it threatens to rain, we say it's clouding up. When the sun comes out, we say it's clearing up. When it rains, it wets up the earth. When it doesn't rain for a while, things dry up. One can go on and on, but I'll wrap it up for my time is up. So before I shut up, I want to tell you the most important up of the day and that that it's time for the church to stand up. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Come on, will the real men of God please stand up? Will the real women of God please stand up? It's time for us to stand up as we point up to the God of heaven and earth. It's up to us, not culture, not a politician, to speak the truth in this dying, decrepit culture. It's up to you. I want to preach a message this morning simply entitled, Are You a Stand-Up Christian? Why are you sitting down? (laughs) You can sit down. You can sit down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I pray in the midst of this culture and of this climate and in a world that is so disunified on every issue there is, that God, you're calling us, you're calling the church, the men and women of God, to stand up, to speak truth and love, to stand for righteousness and holiness, to stand on the word of God. So we thank you today, Lord. Speak to us through your word. God, we, we lift up Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi as they deliver your word in New Iberia today. Be with them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Stand up. Uh, for some reason, everything I've been reading, everything I've been thinking, everything I've been praying about, everything I've, I've even been preaching has been around this word stand. Everybody say stand. 
Um, and I'm, I've been thinking about why, why am I, this is my second message in a row that I actually speak on the word stand, which is, it's, it's not typical, but I, I think it's a message that we really need to get out because I think very few people are actually doing it. We, we, we're in this culture where we literally have two postures. And I want to talk about these two postures for a second. This is going to be a participatory sermon, so put on your participants. You're going to have to help me preach a little bit. Uh, we, we live in a culture of, of two postures, and I want to talk about these two postures today. You've already done one. I'm going to ask you to do it again if you physically can. Uh, the posture of standing. Would you just stand with me if you physically can? Thank you. This, everybody say standing. Now say the second word with me, bowing. You stand at attention. You bow in submission to. Standing is a place of authority that you're not going back. Bowing means that you're the inferior opponent and you're subjecting yourself to someone else. Everybody just bow. Now you may be seated. Very good. What's amazing to me is that when it comes to these two postures and we apply them to our lives, whether it's spiritually or socially or politically, I never hear anyone saying, I'm bowing to the issue. I'm bowing to this political view. Never, never. Uh, In fact, there's little tags on Facebook uh, that people put, I'm standing with, I'm standing for, and they pick their issue. And some of those issues are political, some of those issues are social, some of those issues uh, are different things, and most of the time those things are good issues. I'm taking a stand, and, and people take stands for all types of things. But my question to us this morning is, is, could it be that we are now living in a day and age where people have confused the two postures? That in some instances, it's not that we're actually standing for something, it's that we're actually bowing to something else. Could it be that in many cases those issues are good, but in some of those instances that it's not that we're standing for an issue, it's that we're actually bowing to culture and what culture expects us to do. In 2021, culture is screaming at us to bow before them, bow before their agenda, bow before their ideology, their mindsets, Uh, be like us act like us, think like us, post like us, fight for what we fight for, love what we love, hate what we hate, oppose what we oppose. Now listen to me, you don't have to stop being a Christian, you don't have to stop loving God, just love the ways of the world too. The big problem with that thought though is When speaking on culture, John said it this way in 1 John 2.15. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, when John uses the word world, he's not talking about the globe. He's not talking about mountains. He's not talking about, uh, you know, uh, beautiful creatures. And he's not talking about the trees. Uh, He's not talking about that. When John says world, he's referring to the corrupt value system of man. He's referring to uh, man's uh, treasure, uh, man's philosophies. He's talking to man's politics, man's priorities, man's ideologies. He's saying there is a way that uh, man thinks is right. It's man's way of living life that is actually, in most cases, contrary to the word of God. He says, don't love that stuff. Don't love that stuff. In fact, he goes on and says, if anybody loves that stuff, look at it. He says, for the love for the father is not in them. He, he's, what he's saying is that 
we cannot be in love with Jesus and be in love with the culture of the day at the same time. We just can't do it. It's oxymoronic. We, we, we can't do it. In fact, Romans, I love the message translation, says it this way. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into this world without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Look at what it says. It says, readily recognize what he wants. I'm talking about God. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always Culture has one agenda, to drag you down. Culture is a powerful force. Why? Because it doesn't suggest, it demands. Culture tells you who is right, who is wrong, what to think, what to say, what to act, how to believe, what to believe, who to love. And if, and if, you, if you don't cave into the demands of culture, I promise you this, culture will cancel you. Culture will put you through the fire. And here's my question. Are you willing to take a stand for Christ on every issue, even when it means you will be put through the fire? That's a tough question. I know you're amen in me right now, but it's, it gets nasty out there. I, I want to look at a, a story in Daniel chapter 3. I want to look at a story of three Hebrew boys who faced this very dilemma. Maybe you heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These three Hebrew boys were teenagers. They worshiped the God that you and I worship. They worshiped the God of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, and they were brought to Babylon as slaves. They were in captivity, and, and they were there for years, but they were given a chance to work their way up in the ranks. So I want you to get this picture of three 16-year-old slave boys who are now serving in a kingdom that they don't belong to. And they're moving up in the ranks. And, and I want to give you just a little backdrop in Daniel 3. They're at a place called Babylon. Babylon is in present-day Iraq. It's about 55 miles south of Baghdad, if you're familiar with that part, portion of, of the world. And Babylon at this point in time was at uh, the height of its military power, the height of its economic power, the height of its financial and political power. And, and the king that made all this happen was a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, if you study him, for all we know, he was a pretty good leader, and he had some incredible ups and downs. And, and economically, he was a very, very wise king. Uh, he was good with business. Uh, he was good with making things happen for his people. Uh, he expanded the empire. They had uh, all these building projects and military conquests. And under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon rises to an elite world superpower. Now, how many of you know that when you're on top, watch out because you ain't going to stay there for long? Nebuchadnezzar is on top, and God appears to Nebuchadnezzar in a vision and starts to speak to him about his kingdom, and he tells him that his kingdom will not last forever. It's going to crash. Uh-oh. He's thinking to himself, I may not be remembered one day for all that I've done. I may not be revered one day the way that I am now. So Nebuchadnezzar has this great idea, and here is his idea. He's going to build a statue of himself 90 feet tall. 90 feet tall. We got a pretty big cross out in front. That cross is about 40 feet tall. He builds a 90-foot statue of himself, 90 feet. Do you think he was trying to compensate for something? 90-foot statue. 
I want to read it to you. It says this in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made a 90, an image of gold, a gold image. Yeah, 60 cubits, that's 90 feet, and 6 cubits wide, so that's 9 foot wide, out of gold, and he set it up on a plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. He then summoned, look at, I'm not going to read all the satraps, this is all the political people, all the community leaders, all the government officials. He, he gets them together, and in verse 3 it says, so they came together, and then, he, and then he declares this in verse 4, then it says, Nebuchadnezzar proudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. I want you to just think about culture, because culture is commanding us to do something. As soon as you hear the music, as soon as you hear the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down on your face and worship the image of me. The 90-foot image. Watch what it says, verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship me immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all the kinds of music, all the nations, this is the nations, and peoples from every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So he gets all the government officials together. He's, he basically says, I'm such an insecure leader that I'm going to build this statue of myself. It's going to be 90 foot tall. I'm going to make it of gold. We're going to put it out there. And whenever we pipe in the music, when you hear the music, Whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing, face the statue of me, and fall down and worship me. And if you don't, I'll throw you into the furnace and you will die. Worship the nine-story statue of me or I will kill you. I think this dude was a little insecure. I, I, I think he, he had a little self-confidence issue. But look what it says. In, in verse 8, it says, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. I, I want you to see the political tie-in here. I want you to see that their allegiance was to a king. Their allegiance was to a national way, not the kingdom of God. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, all of it, uh, must fall down and worship the image of God, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, king, who have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch these next four words, who pay no attention. Who pay no, that should be our attitude when it comes to culture. That should be our attitude when it comes to the things of the world. Who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Watch this. Everybody in the entire kingdom is bowing. These three boys are standing. Watch this. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound, I'm going to give you one more chance. Y'all cue the MP3 player. Put the old 8-track in. Get my favorite seat. Put it in. When I turn it on, we're going to pipe it through the sound system one more time. We're going to give you another chance. Maybe you didn't hear me clearly. I know you thought you might get canceled. I'm giving you another opportunity. When the music comes on, bow down and worship. But it says, but if you do not worship, I will put you in a blazing furnace. Now, when you hear these words, blazing furnace, you need to understand this isn't like an easy bake oven. 
all right? The word for blazing furnace in the Hebrew is the word aish, and it literally means to incinerate or to destroy to ashes. These three boys are going to be incinerated for simply not bowing. Now, listen to me. They, they could have disagreed. Well, we, you know, I don't really think we should bow down, but listen, if we don't, they're going to kill us. So they could have disagreed silently and still publicly bowed. They, they could have not liked it and still complied because of what was going to happen to them. They could have still loved God and remained silent, but, but they didn't. In fact, it says that they didn't even pay attention to Nebuchadnezzar or his decree. Where is our attention right now? Where are our eyes fixed? What's feeding us? Where, where are our eyes fixed? And my fear is that if we don't, listen to me, if we don't fix our eyes on the foolishness of culture, we will never be tempted to bow when the music plays. Because, listen to me, every person in this room, there's still a lot of music that plays that beckons us to bow down to the idols of our lives. We all got a favorite song. We, we, we all got a groove. A little bit of audience participation here. Uh, how many of you got some go-to music? Go-to music. How, come on, how many uh, uh, rock and roll is your go-to music? Rock and roll, like three of you. Okay, how, how about R&B is your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who likes R&B? Tim, Tim, we, we, we doing uh, like new school R&B or like, Oh, like, 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 like 60s and 70s or like the good stuff like in the 80s and 90s. I'm talking about some key sweat. I'm talking about some silk, some shots, some boys to men. I'm talking about some Jodeci. Okay. Mm. There was this shy song, y'all. I wish I could sing, I'd sing it. I'll just say, the very first time that I saw your brown eyes, your lips said hello, and I said hi. I knew right then you were the one. Okay. How many, how many country music is your go-to? How many would rather be thrown into a fiery furnace to listen to country music? This is so off the cuff. I told them while I was coming on the stage to be prepared to do this. This, is, this wasn't planned. This wasn't in my notes. But there is, there is, I want you to know, there are songs that beckon all of us. There are songs that you can be driving down the road and you ain't heard a song in 30 years and that joker comes on and it takes you back. I'm talking about, y'all, I was in eighth grade in 1991, and I'm just going to go ahead and play it because this was my jam. Can we play my jam from 1991? Go ahead and play it. Crank it up, crank it up, crank it up. If y'all know, y'all can sing with me. This is off the cuff. Are we are ready? Do we have it? I told him as I was coming on stage, so we may not have it. We flow like a harpoon. 
game daily and nightly Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know Turn off the lights, huh, and I'll glow To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal Light up a stage Stays and watch the jump like, like a candle, candle. Dance. Dance. Rush the speaker that booms I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom Deadly, when I play a dope melody Anything less than the best is a felony Love it or leave it, you better gain weight You better hit the bulls out of kid yo, And if there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it Okay, okay, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But that song will come on, y'all, and it takes me back. I just can't help it. I'll be driving down the road to church, and it comes on, and it just takes me back. What I'm saying is there a song that beckons us all that'll get us to bow down to an idol when it comes on? What's your song? You can be loving God, praising Jesus, and that song, metaphorically speaking, comes on, and it takes you back to a place. We all got a song. And the devil knows your song. He knows your groove. Man, I'm out of breath. He knows your temptations. He knows where he can get you to bow. He knows your habits. He knows the friends to get you around. He knows what to use to make you bow down to the 90-foot statue. What's your idol? Listen, I know you don't have an idol in your backyard that you walk out on your patio and bow down to, but what in your life looms larger than God that when the music plays, you said, I'll be back in a minute, God, I got to go take care of some business. Listen to me. The greatest enemy of faith is that when the music plays, we bow down. And I know what you're thinking. I love God. I'm here. I'm in church. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's that sound? What is that? I know that's my jam. There is something that calls us all that is sweet sound to our ears. James says we are all giving away to our own evil desires. We all got a secret sauce. We all got something that draws us in. What is our song? What is it? So that's my jam. That's my groove. You got some music, y'all. I got some music. I got a playlist. I got, I got some songs that changes my mood. What's our mood? What's the song? What's the music? I just jotted a couple down, and, and I don't want to be graphic, but for some... For some men, it's the music that plays in your sexuality that causes you to act out on things that are contrary to the Word of God. It's images that we look at. It's websites that we scroll through. It's your thoughts. It's, it's what you look at, and it's your actions. And I know that you love God, but when the music comes on, you've got to turn away for a moment. What's the music? For some of us, for most of us in this place, is acceptance. I just want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I don't want to be canceled. And we preach to our kids about peer pressure, yet we will do anything to be accepted by our peer group. We will post anything to be accepted by our peer group. We will do things and say things and act on things. Why? Because we don't want to get canceled. And every time that happens, the music comes on. For some of us, our music is success. We bow down on every opportunity because we want the promotion or we want the client so bad. You want to do it God's way, but the music plays long enough, you'll cut corners and you lose your integrity. 
For some of us, the music is a hobby. When the music plays, you'll turn every time. Some of us, we've made it politics. I've seen your Facebook page. If you took a stand for Jesus the way you took a stand for a candidate, what's your music? For some of us, it's just an image. It says they fell down at an image. They worshiped an image. It's that we got to look the part. We got to fit the part. We got to dress the part. And listen to me. If you have to justify why you do something, that's your 90-foot statue. Real faith does not bow. It goes against the grain. It goes against the current. It goes against the culture. It does not burn. It says, I don't care if you try to burn me. I will not bow. Every day that you wake up, the music is playing. Every time you go to work, the music is playing. Every time you get on social media, the music is playing. Every time you turn on Fox News and CNN, the music is playing. Every time you go to school, the music is playing. Every time you walk out these doors, the music is playing. And here's the reality. Sometimes even in here, the music is playing. And when the music comes on, you can either stand with Jesus or bow to the song. I want to give you three qualities in the next 20 minutes of standing against culture. Here we go. Number one. You ready? Man, I'm out of shape. That... 38 seconds of dancing got me. I need to break out the tie bow again. Get Billy Blanks to help me out. Number one, standing up will always obey God instead of following man. Always. Everybody is bowing. Three boys are still standing. Can you imagine the entire nation? The entire nation is bowing. And three teenage boys stand he calls them up what do you got to say for yourself boys maybe y'all didn't get the decree maybe you didn't read the Facebook post I said to bow before the image you're the only ones something wrong with this picture Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but look at the response in verse 16 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they didn't secretly get on social media and post about it they didn't tell their friends what they were going to say they tell the king himself, King, listen here. We do not need to defend ourselves. How cocky is that? Little 16 year old kid staring down the king in imminent death. We're good. We don't, we don't need to defend ourselves. I don't, I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to ask somebody what to do in this instance. I don't need to read a self help book around it. I don't need to post about it. I don't need to explain myself or justify. We ain't bowing. And I think it would be easy in our world to rationalize sometimes what we do. Well, yeah, yeah, pastor, I know what you're saying, but if I do that at work, if I do that on social media, do you know what they're going to say? So what we often do is what probably the majority of the Babylonian nation did. I call it pretend worship. We will bow down, but let's really not worship. 
we will be in agreement with everybody else outwardly, but fingers crossed they won't know what our real agenda is. I mean, I really don't agree with this, but if I stand up, they will label me a holy roller. They will call me a bigot. They will persecute me. I mean, I want to take a stand politically, and I want to take a stand socially, and I want to take a stand spiritually, but I can't. I, I want to stand, but if I stand, they will cancel me. I, I mean, I really don't want to go to the club with those guys from work, but we got to get the client, so I'll justify going just one time, maybe two times, so I will just pretend to enjoy the strip club, even though I I really know that I shouldn't enjoy it and we'll just pretend to bow down the culture and we'll pretend it's just one bow, it's just one look, it's just one taste, it's one pill, it's one puff, it's one sip, it's just one time. I know I shouldn't allow my 12-year-old to do that and go there and watch that and listen to that and have that. But if I take a stand, what will the other parents say? Maybe they'll say that I'm too strict. Maybe they'll say that I'm too holy. Maybe those parents will judge me. Maybe they won't come to the church. Listen to me. I would rather stand by God and be judged by the world than stand by the world and be judged by God. And here's where I think it hits home. Can somebody give me a mint or something? That dancing got me. I'm out of preaching shape. When you don't preach in three weeks, this is what happens. <clears throat> Hello, guys on the main line. Here's what hit me when I was reading this this week. Here is what the American church needs to hear. King Nebuchadnezzar never asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down and worship his image instead of worshiping Jesus. He didn't. He, he never said choose. He never said pick my statue or pick Jesus. He never says that. What he does ask him to do and what culture <clears throat> asks us to do is to bow down and worship their image in addition to worshiping Jesus. Worship your God. Just agree with culture too. Keep coming to church on Sunday. Just agree with him on Facebook on Monday. Keep reading your Bible. Just be silent when all the issues of our day oppose our Bible that you're reading. Keep singing about the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord in here. Just don't declare God's goodness and faithfulness at your workplace. Listen to me. The fire is not coming. The fire is already here. Where do we stand? On what issue? On every issue. That's why people ask me all the time, well, pastor, what are you? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? You know what I always say? On what issue? Well, what do you mean? Because there's some issues on both sides that go with God, and there's many issues on both sides that go against God. I stand with God on every issue. 
And the problem for many is that we have aborted our allegiance to God and replaced it by bowing down to a political system and candidate. On every issue, socially, spiritually, sexually, it doesn't matter. And the reason why so, so many people get offended when something is said in a pulpit that goes opposes their political view is because they become more in love with the political candidate than the word of God. I know it's not election season, but listen to me. Neither party fully represents the gospel. I serve a king. Okay. Where do we stand? On every, on every issue, we must stand with Christ. On every political issue, every social issue, every issue in our community, every issue in our home. Number two, I'm going to need some tea after this to get my voice back. <laughs> Number two, standing up believes in spite of what it sees. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They're looking at the blazing furnace. They see the furnace, yet they still stand up. They're looking death in the face and they still, not, they still don't bow. Forget death. Some of us bow because we don't want, to, want them to talk about us at the office. And the reason why many of us bow to culture is because we want a faith that looks good to the eyes. We, we've been taught that if you love God, you'll never face the furnace. That's not true. I don't want to look at the furnace. I, I don't want to face persecution. I don't want to lose my friends. I, I want to fit in. I want to have fun. I don't want to go through the fire. Listen to me. Then Sister Ye Ye and Deacon Flip Flop, if that's what you think, then you pick the wrong gospel. Because if the gospel you follow is all about you and bettering you and blessing you and helping you and comforting you, then you, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Jesus says if you want to be a part of this gospel, you're going to have to become last. You're going to have to pick up your cross. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to lose some things and lose some people and lose some mindsets. It's going to cost you everything. And I'm here today to tell you to stop searching for a faith that will keep you from the fire and start embracing the God who's with you in the fire. Verse 17 says, if, if we are thrown into the fire, the God that we serve is able and we believe he's going to deliver us, you know, from your mind from your majesty's hand, but watch this. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods. We will not bow to culture or the image of gold that you have set up. He's saying our God is ca capable. He is able. He's, he's competent. He is willing. But even if he does not show up the way that I think he should show up, we will not bow. And I think in my own life, the times that I haven't trusted God in my life is because if I'm being real honest, I thought God was going to leave me high and dry. Listen to me. Our faith cannot be conditional upon God's response. It has to be conditional upon God's character. 
And so many times we think of the, well, God didn't show up the way that I thought. He's not a loving God. We have to have the conversation with ourselves that says, even if we don't make it through this the way that we thought we would, you're still God. Come on. Does anybody in here today need a you're still God kind of faith? Even if I don't get the job I've been praying for, you're still God. Even if the situation doesn't work out the way that I thought it, you're still God. Even if we don't get pregnant and go, Lord, you know we want a baby, you're still God. Even if daddy doesn't get healed from cancer, you're still God. Even if I don't understand, you're still on the throne. You're still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Even if everybody runs out on me, he's still God. I want to take you back, uh, probably one of the most strenuous exercises I've ever done besides just dancing on the stage for 38 seconds. <laughs> Tucker, my, my son, who is about to turn 12, about seven years ago he was in kindergarten, and um, one of the most strenuous exercises I would do every single day was waking him up for school. <laughs> get up. I don't want to get up. Get up. I don't want to get up. Get up. I don't want to get up. Get up, son. It's time to go to school. Every day. Son, you have to get up and go to school. He would literally take off running around the house with his eyes closed. Running in. I'm not making this up. Still asleep. I ain't going to school. I ain't going to school. Eyes closed. I don't want to go. He's getting angry. He tries to go back to sleep. I don't want to go anymore. I'm not getting up. And I looked at him. I remember grabbing him by the face and say, I said this. Son, look at me. You're five. For the next 13 years, every day, you're going to have to do this. And then he just starts crying. And then I just start crying. Let me, let me tell you how uh, I've, I've come to learn. Adults, let me help you out. This, this waking thing up, this waking up thing. Two things help me, Jesus and coffee. I had to grab him and say, it's time to stand up. I know you don't want to do this. I know you don't feel like doing this. I know you feel like you are safer at home, but you have got to do this. I think somebody in here needs to hear the voice of the Father saying, this isn't going to be easy, but I'm going to help you through this. So get on up. Wipe the sleep out of your eye and stand at your feet, for I am with you and I am for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to go to school with you. So wake up. Wake up, church. Listen to me. I want to be the type of man that when my feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh no, he's up. And he's believing God today. And I'm putting him through the fire, but he's still praying. And he's still believing. And he's still going. I think that's the kind of the attitude that makes the enemy mad. I'm getting my voice back. Verse 19, I'm about to close. Dick, help me out. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. Mm. culture will tolerate you standing up for Jesus for a little bit. They're okay with you posting your scriptures. They're okay with you saying, bless God, as long as it doesn't mess with their statue. 
And the second you say, I don't agree, watch what happens. They will crank it up seven times hotter. Do you know where we are right now? Culture is cranking it up seven times hotter. It's hot. I want to sing some Nelly, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Crank it up seven times hotter. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie them up. Throw them into a blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown to the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. It's getting hot. Not only did they crank up the heat, they tied them up. You know what's happening right now? The church's hands are getting tied. And as long as we play the game and bow down to the cultural system of the day, we're going to remain tied. Oh, we're, we're going to take your 501c3 status away. If, take it. I don't do this because I get tax exempt. I, I preach because there's lost people going to hell. You, you can say whatever you want. You can get, a, I promise you this, I know I offend people. I'm not going to offend people politically. I'm going to offend people with the gospel. It's okay. They're not mad at me. If your kids were playing in the road and a semi-truck was coming, what would you do? You would do everything. Get out of the, you're on the wrong road. Get out of the way. And when we preach the gospel in love, listen to me. There is only one way to find freedom. It's through Christ. That's why I'm so passionate about this gospel. Not because we need a bigger church or a bigger following. There's people that are dying and going to hell. You know, there's something greater than going to heaven and something worse than going to hell. That's taking somebody with you. I'm going. I'm going to take as many people as I can. The truth is offensive. But we preach it in love. This is, I love how it ends. Maybe this will encourage you. This encouraged me this week when I was reading this. Verse 24 says that Nebuchadnezzar leaped on his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four not tied up, walking in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And it looks like the fourth one is a son of the gods. 
sometimes the people that you want to know Jesus won't know Jesus until they see you walk through the fire when they oppose you. And it's only in the fire that they will see the Jesus that you've been trying to preach them about. Why? Because sometimes Jesus doesn't show up until we stand up. Listen to me. You're not fighting this thing by yourself. You're not in this thing by yourself. You're not standing by yourself. You're not doing battle by yourself. You're not in the furnace by yourself. Listen to me. When you stand up, Jesus shows up. And some of us are wanting God to show up, but we haven't stood up yet. What do you mean? If you want God to show up in your marriage, then you need to stand against culture in your marriage. If you want God to show up in your kids, then stand up against culture uh, with your kids and quit allowing them to do everything that the kids down the block do. I don't know if you're facing fire today, but it's coming. And when it comes, listen to me, it's going to get hot. It's going to get uncomfortable. Just keep standing. Why? Because God reveals his power in many places, but you'll know his presence best in the fire. You will. And I'm closing. I know I've said that several times. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. And all the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors, they crowded around them and they saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor were the hair on their heads singed, their robes were not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. How comforting to know that when you go through the fire, you don't even come out smelling like you've been in a barbecue. Watch this. Best part of the story. The dude that just tried to kill him said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued them. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Listen to me. When you stand, your faith will not be changed by culture. Culture will be changed by your faith. And here's my prayer, is that we have the courage to stand. It's easy to stand in here. It is so easy to stand. You look around, it's peer pressure. Some of you don't want to stand in here, and you're like, oh, everybody else stand, I'll stand. I'm talking about out there. There's only one kingdom we're trying to build, y'all. That's it. This world is it's temporal. It doesn't matter. Just one kingdom we're trying to build. It's the kingdom of God. Today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I've learned this, that it's hard to bow to culture when I'm already on my knees bowing to Jesus. And this is just a declaration today. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, Pastor, I need to bow to Jesus. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I'd rather do it on this side of eternity than on the other side of eternity. Will you bow, not to culture, not to the demands of society, but can we bow to the King of Kings? He's the only one that we're really under authority of. He's the only one that we subject ourselves to. It's called surrender. Today, if you just want to surrender, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to stand right where you are and say, you know what, I'm surrendering to the King of Kings. And I want to stand. I want to stand for what's righteous and what's holy, what's right. I want to stand with Christ. I, want, I surrender. And if that's you, that's just the way we're going to end today. If you want to surrender, will you just stand at your feet with me? And just arms lifted high. Thank you. Thank you. That's really what the gospel is all about. It's simply surrendering. My will, my ways, my thoughts, my agenda to his. I turn from my ways. It's called repentance. Father, today we surrender to you. With hands lifted high, we surrender to you. And God, we know that it's so much easier not to bow to this world, not to bow to this culture, when we're already bowed to you. So, Father, today, let this day mark, even as Rob said, there's stones. Let this be a stone of remembrance that we'll remember tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. When culture is screaming and demanding for us to bow, we will already be in the posture of worshiping the image of your son. So today, Lord, I pray for strength and courage, integrity. Fill us with your spirit, God, as we take a stand for you in everything that we do and on every issue that we face. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you shout amen this morning? Amen.